WHYY and Billy Penn, this is your Friday edition of Hittin' Season, a Philadelphia Phillies podcast. My name is Justin Clue. I write for Baseball Prospectus and Billy Penn. With me is Liz Rocher of Yahoo Sports. Hello, Liz. Hello, Justin. We are almost past the very beginning of exhibition baseball and spring training. We're almost in the middle. What a fun fun time today on this very day the Phillies will be splitting their squad uh, and have a litany of starters playing against the Marlins at Baycare Ballpark today's lineup features Schwarber leading off Trey Turner Bryce Harper JT Romuto Alec Bohm Nick Castellanos Whit Merrifield Jake Cave and Christian everyone <laughs> and Aaron that's Nola. like everyone Nola starting and then they are sending the B team over to Lakeland to play the Tigers Johan Rojas Bryson Stott Edmundo Sosa and you know all the rest um but yes phillies are in action they are getting as many people at bats as they can we'll we'll dig into that a little bit just how things have been going in the grapefruit league so far as well as various other pieces of phillies news as there is actual phillies news which is really something um uh, first though liz did you see that shane victorino uh who coaches a travel team apparently was asking the kids on his travel team baseball trivia questions and it, it took them a couple of questions to figure out that all of the answers to the questions were Shane Victorino. <laughs> oh, Shane. <laughs> Things like, Shane. who's one of the only two players to hit two grand slams in the postseason? I mean, come on. Come on, teens. Get it together. There's nah. really very you few. Have, here's the thing. It would have been reasonable for like people our age to not know that because we barely had the internet. These kids have phones. <laughs> I mean, we watched it live. That's that's probably more. Well, true, but just like how do you, they look up everything? How do you not search the name of your coach to see? Like, <laughs> how do you not do that? How? <laughs> I was joking. You sound actually mad. No, but I I am serious. I'm just like how like of all you've. When I was, like, a teenager, it would have been incredible for me to have all of the information. Like, even back then, the internet was super limited. Like, three quarters of the world did not have a website. This is almost a rant. You're so close it to a rant. It is a rant. I'm sorry. <laughs> just, like, I'm just thinking, like, I would have looked everything up on the internet. I was so I was an obnoxiously curious as a kid. And I'm just like, I would have looked everything up. And these kids are just like, yeah, who cares? That's it. We're I got, I've got all the world in my in my hand. I'm not a boomer. I'm really sorry. Let's start a GoFundMe for Liz <laughs> I'm to really catch sorry. a flight to Hawaii and put these teens in their place. Honestly, this is uh, this is long overdue. I think Liz would tell you. I'm actually angry at them for not using technology better. <laughs> this is my. Like, that's really what it is. This is I, my mistake. I'm sorry. It's my mistake. I thought, oh, what a what a light little go. fun topic to open. The, <laughs> the I have show to leave. On. I'm gonna I'm gonna go. Sorry. <laughs> uh, one of our favorite players ever had a light moment with uh, with some kids. He was coaching. That's fun, right? No, no it's uh, awful. <laughs> it's a and failure I need to, on all counts. Um, I'm checking out. <laughs> I'm, uh, it's been, it's been good. Well, if you loved it, I have to go. If you loved that, you're going to love this. Liz. <laughs> I'm sorry. The Phillies have announced there's no more dollar dog nights on the menu for fans coming in 2024. According to NBC 10, uh, uh, this was being muttered about, I'll say, I, I think is the, is the general idea on social media. Mm -hmm. And then finally, it was confirmed by a variety of sources, and NBC10 was one of them. They reported that the Phillies announced Thursday they're replacing Dollar Dog Nights with Hatfield Phillies Franks BOGO Nights. If that sounds worse, that's because it is. Yeah, the, it is. It is not is not as good. That's that's not a question. The here. new giveaway will play uh, will take place on April second and April sixteenth, and will allow Whoa. fans to buy one hot dog at regular price. You hear that, fans? You're allowed to buy a hot dog at regular price and get the second hot dog for free at concession stands throughout the ballpark. Yeah, it's not the same thing. No, <laughs> but I'll say this: Dollar Dog Nights. I don't know how long they've been going on, but. It can't have been. Uh, I don't remember Dollar Dog Nights during you know the 2010, 2011. Oh, they were absolutely. I was going to Dollar Dog Nights when I was a kid. 
My, my, no, you were. They've been around forever. I have no idea. My my, they, that was the reason we would go to games was because it was Dollar Dog Night, and they knew that me being like I could eat six to eight hot dogs, it was going to be cheap to feed me. So that was the main reason we would you know go into the city and go to a ball game because hey, the Phillies are doing Dollar Dog Nights, and they used to do I feel like five or six throughout the season at least. That number started dwindling when uh, the era you're talking about. I suspect, I don't know if this has ever been confirmed, but I suspect it because it started to be college night and dollar dog night as the same night, you got a lot of stuff happening, let's say, uh, with the combination of those things. You know, college kids, we college, we just wanted to take the subway down and take in a ball game and as well as various other leisure activities. And I think the that combination of things led to the reevaluation of dollar dog night. Then there were fewer of them. I don't know, you know, maybe there was licensing deals and whatnot in the background happening. Uh, and then finally, it seems like they hadn't announced any for this season. And some, you know, they, they have announced those later in the season, the past couple of years or, or closer to the season starting. And it turns out, no, they're just, they're just not doing it anymore. And instead you can buy one and then get one free, which is basically just paying, how much is a hot dog at, at Citizens Bank? Probably four, nah, it, four or five bucks. Can't, yeah, I don't know. I, I I would say that sounds too little, but I'm also I could be wrong. Liz, what if someone <laughs> said to you that the reason the Phillies aren't doing Dollar Dog Nights anymore is because it's one of the small ways they are trying to cushion the blow of the many large contracts they have on the books, and they want to be able to spend money to make the team better? Is that something <laughs> you would ridiculous. believe? <laughs> No, not even a little bit. <laughs> I mean, they didn't say that, but I was just, I thought it the other day. I was like, people want free agents to be signed here to, to big deals and say it's not our money. Is, what if this is one of those measures they're taking to uh, to address that? I, I don't know. It's certainly not their money, but uh, I mean, this is like, this stuff does not have a whole lot. Like, nah. what are they, they were going to do what, two or three of them this year? Like two. for 40,000 people? Yeah. Like, and that's the thing, like they don't need them at this time time they needed them at one point to fill the ballpark but they don't really need them right now and maybe they'll bring them back at some point but i don't know i it sucks it sucks but you know again it's just one of the many ways uh life and the world is getting worse and there's just nothing any of us can do about it what topic am I going to bring up that we're going to have a good time discussing? And you know what's incredible is that it's a, it's a lovely sunny day. You know, it's like 1130 on a Friday. I'm already drinking a beer. It's great. Like, and I'm not even in a bad mood. Like, I'm not in a bad mood at all. Hey. It's just like, you know, you're you just this is your fault, really. It's my fault. Yes, uh, that is, that's, that's fair enough. That is. I am I am the one submitting topics and that is I I'm not trying like you're, what are you going to expect me to s how do you no, want me to be I excited agree. about dollar dog nights being eliminated I'm not I'm, like, I, I'm I agree with you I'm just saying you you went the extra mile to be like this is just another example of how life in general is getting worse in every way <laughs> that was the part I'm laughing at See, you don't you don't do your job the way I have to do my job. <laughs> like, how am I supposed to be completely paused? Like, yes, everything is getting worse. What do you want from me? I want you to give me a hot dog for a dollar. That's what I want from you. Liz. I wish, God. man. I if I could give you a hot dog for a dollar, I would. You could come over to my house for dinner, and I would feed you uh, more than just a hot dog. It would be a free meal, mm. and it would be better than just a hot dog. Well, I mean, but... it would be a dollar. It wouldn't be free, but I appreciate that. Thank you. <laughs> um, yes, I would charge you a dollar to come <laughs> have dinner at my house. It is a, I do, I think it is a crime that dollar dog nights won't exist anymore, apparently. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, it just sucks. It's the general, it's the general dollar dog vibe. I wrote last year after the hot dog throwing, and this also may be contributing to, to yeah. the, the hot dog throwing incidents, that were entirely harmless i will say one of which began because a kid was trying to eat a bunch of hot dogs i don't know i never checked to see if that was a lie or not but who knows <laughs> anyway the point is sounds plausible honestly dollar dog night was always a fun night at the ballpark when i went i it's a shame to see it go uh but that is yes that is something that captivated phillies fans over the past week also captivating phillies fans the phillies liz grapefruit league action so far has been 
I'd, I'd say largely positive for the Phillies. Uh, as much as people want to dig into what they're seeing in spring training, I know there have already been a series of overreactions after uh, the single loss the Phillies have incurred over their oh first God. six games uh, because it was a bottom of the ninth situation. Um, I think they were disregarding the fact that people who will absolutely not be on the team opening day were contributing to the game situations down at spring training. But nevertheless, the Phillies so far in the Grapefruit League as we begin the month of March, free of February. The Phillies are 3-1-2 and two in the Grapefruit League. Yes, they have had two ties. Yes, you will have a tie in spring training. It's totally fine. Because uh, everyone has stuff to do. I think sometimes the teams are just like, yeah, let's play another inning because we feel like it. And then after that, we'll call it like, yeah, they kind of just do what they want. It's spring training. It's incredibly laid it doesn't back matter. in some cases. Uh, but we did talk about on a recent episode of Hidden Season how the Phillies are trying to uh, perhaps just add a little more competitive fire to the preseason. Yes, the games don't count, but if they can get in more of a, hey, let's win mindset early on, perhaps they can shrug off that early season slump they always seem to be in in April and May. Um, <clears throat> looking at you, Kyle Schwarber. But in any case, uh, the Phillies have won more than they've lost. They've even tied more than they've lost in the Grapefruit League, starting with their first game back on the 24th. It was at Slugfest with the Blue Jays that went back and forth that they ultimately won 14-13. to Aaron Nola and the pitching staff shut out the Yankees in a split squad game on the 25th. They winning that winning that one four to nothing. Uh, they lost late to the Red Sox seven to six. They tied with the Twins and Braves, scores of three to three and seven seven. And then on the 29th, they beat the Blue Jays five to nothing to close out the month of February. So nothing to really be super discouraged about thus far, Liz. We're going to get into some individual performances here. But before we do, is there anybody that has jumped out to you as particularly particularly exciting through the first six games of the preseason? Um, Not so much. I mean, I'm I'm pleased to see everyone just sort of sliding back to where they're supposed to be. There's no drama. There's, you know, there's like one positional battle maybe two we'll we'll talk to the about those but like it's it's all been it's all been largely positive like it's been nice to see them just sort of dig in get started there's no crap you know it's just yeah we're here to play baseball and we're going to do that and then we're going to go do that in philadelphia and it'll be pretty much the same as it is here only it'll be there uh could you name for me the current home run leader for the Phillies in spring training. No. Yeah. I'm not sure a lot of people could, other than there's been so few games, things are just kind of easier to retain. But right now, your home run leader for the Philadelphia Phillies in the Grapefruit League is Christian Pache. Bah. With two. <laughs> uh, yeah, see, like, you're, who's the leader? I'm like, I don't know. It's like four guys with one and, like, maybe two guys with two. It's like, you know. Well, here's no the crazy part. This is, this is actually impressive. And, mm-hmm. and but just before we move on too quick, I think to your earlier point, to me, good spring training and quiet spring training are the same thing. And I like how generally pleasing and generally quiet it has been in Philly's camp. Like that is exactly that is what you want, um, except when it comes to the bats, which, as I was just saying, the surprising part isn't that the current leader on the team has only two home runs, given how early it is in the preseason. What kind of <laughs> jarred me a little bit is that they have 11 home runs total in their first six games. Oh, my God. With Pache being the leader with two, <laughs> that means they, of course, have spread them out. And so they have gotten these 11 homers from Pache, Alec Bohm, Scott Kingery, JT Real Muto, Whit Merrifield, Aramis Garcia, Weston Wilson, Derek Hall, David Dahl, and Matt Kroon. So they are spreading them out from regular starters, guys you expect to see it from, guys you're hoping to see it from, guys you're not expecting to see it from guys you've never heard of i mean you know the home runs are up and down the board here which is hey that's that's how the phillies play baseball despite any shifting philosophies that we're also going to talk about um as you'd expect the less familiar names are getting most of the action at the moment because it is early in spring training even the lineups like the one i listed for today you know you're seeing guys get one or two at bats and then they get pulled for um some of the more high numbered guys to see some action uh david Dahl, weston wilson and Derek hall have gotten the most at bats so far Wilson's knocked in the most runs with five. We saw Johan Rojas make a great running catch in center. It really, you know, it wasn't the same, but it reminded me of the catch he made in the NLDS that um, 
we actually saw live. And that was yeah. you know, another one of those indicators that like, yeah, there's a big leaguer in there, you know, obviously on defense, that's his strength, but this is what we're in camp to find out. Can he capitalize on being a, a, a terrific center fielder with a bat to match, but we'll see. Uh, I mentioned Aramis Garcia. Is this a ca- prospect you were at all familiar with? Had you heard his name before? No. He's a catcher. He is six for nine in spring training thus far. <laughs> oh, that's ridiculous. He's got a double. He's got a homer. He's got two walks and a stolen base. I'd, all right. I'd like to see some more of this guy. Uh, I think <laughs> the Phillies are, I mean, I can't imagine the Phillies don't want to see it. He's a... Uh... A 31-year-old. Yeah, prospect he's... probably is a, a, a liberal. No, <laughs> yeah, he's been in the majors on and off. Um, yeah. Yeah, he's uh, you're, you're right. He's a guy who's 31 years old. He's played for the Giants. He's played for the A's. He's played for the Reds. Uh, spent some time in the minors. And, uh, yeah, he's in Philly's camp this year. And, you know, he's one of those guys. I, I said Scott Kingery. I wanted him to be the um, my, my, my spring training guy this year. But uh, after seeing these numbers – Garcia's having a interesting. I don't know. It's just it's just cool to see a guy you, you've never heard of or you're not as familiar with excelling even at spring training. So you know, Garcia's got an eleven eleven slugging percentage after four games, and he's Lol. your he's your hits leader for the Phillies as well. So my goodness. All right. Wow. <laughs> Let's see some more of this. Watch quote, this quote unquote prospect. Not a prospect. No. <laughs> don't call that. He's thirty one. Just an incorrect usage of the term. Uh, <laughs> The Phillies aren't running a whole lot yet, but they are four for four in stolen base attempts over their first six games. I'll give you the rundown here. Most names you're familiar with have only one hit. They have also had pretty limited action. Harper's one for three. Real Muto's one for three with a home run. Castellanos is one for six. Schwarber's one for six. Turner's three for eight. Alec Bohm's two for three with a home run. Bryson Stott's one for nine. Uh, Rojas is two for nine. Pache's three for seven with two home runs. Mm. Edmundo Sosa's one for eight. Old Jakey Caves, 0 for 4. Brandon Marsh per MLB.com. Uh, the latest news on him is his initial timetable was a return to action in three to four weeks. He has been, quote, ramping up per manager Rob Thompson. Marsh, who hit, the, who hit on the field on February 29th, is expected to have plenty of time to be ready for the regular season. All reports indicating, you know, continuing to indicate situation with him is totally fine. As we know, he underwent arthroscopic knee surgery. Uh, in some news that kind of caught people off guard, but at no point have we had it indicated that he is not going to be ready for opening day. So even in the uh, you know injury news, the Phillies seem to have pretty positive signs. So that should be good. Um, I also just try to imagine like Brandon Marsh coming back from an injury. Like, I feel like you got to just like tie him to a chair and just be like, calm, no, calm down, calm. No, you can't do that yet. Calm down. Uh, yeah, completely. <laughs> and then there's the pitching. We've seen the most of Colby Allard. That's not Kyle, Cody, or Corey Allard. His name is Colby. <laughs> Colby Allard. Uh, he has thrown four innings. He has not looked very sharp so far. He threw Neat. eight straight balls to load the bases and allowed <laughs> a two-run double in his debut. I'll throw him a bone and point out there was some balls that were strikes thrown in the mix, especially in his first appearance. Second one went much better. Uh, He allowed a hit and a walk, but no real damage. Honestly, this is what you can probably expect from a guy like Allard brought in through the avenues he was brought in and being one of the first to pitch in spring training. Uh, Other guys in that boat, Nick Nelson and Austin Bryce have been beaten up a little bit, especially Nelson. His numbers are, his early numbers are not great. Um, But as well as a few even lesser known names who will likely be headed to minor league camp in the coming weeks. Uh, as far as big names go, <clears throat> we saw Mick Abel pitch a clean inning and looked like he had some decent command while doing it. Connor Brogdon looked rough, uh, allowing three walks, a hit, and a run in one and two-thirds innings. Gregory Soto was a little loose with the zone as well. He allowed two walks in his appearance, but no hits and no runs, so the Gregory Soto experience. Uh, Jeff Hoffman, Orion Kirkering, and Jose Alvarado have all gotten an inning or two of work with no ill effects. Matt Strom season, baby. Oh, this yeah. Is, I think this is, this is my guy. I mean, he's always kind of been my like background guy for me, but pitching-wise, Matt Strom's my guy. He's struck out four of the six batters he's faced. <laughs> oh, man. And I know that that picture where his face is um, altered to look like Nick Nicolas Cage 
has been making mm-hmm. the rounds among uh, non-internet people who think the Phillies now just have a guy who looks like Nicolas Cage from Con Air. God, guys. <laughs> I'm fine with that. I'm fine living with that. Sure. You know, people I don't, people I'm I'm close with who don't follow baseball or the Phillies will send me this picture and be like, is this guy really on the Phillies? And I'm like, yep, yes, that's exactly right. That is who that mm-hmm. is. <laughs> he doesn't look he like, like that really, but yeah. <laughs> uh, he's got to get home to give his daughter the stuffed rabbit she gave him before he went to prison. But first, he's going to stop by Philadelphia, <laughs> nab that Declaration of Independence, and uh, play some playoff <laughs> baseball for the Phillies. Yeah, it's just very common uh, career turns for guys like me. I have strong. not watched the National Treasure movies eh, in a honestly, while. Honestly, I'm not, I'm not super wild about them. There's more fun Nicolas really? Cage movies than, than I those. love them. Just because I'm a, I'm a revolutionary, like I'm a early American history nerd. I love that stuff. So give me That's all true. the Declaration it's, it's of Independence intrigue. It's sort of like an energized uh, social studies class. So I get that. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> If most of the social studies class was, like, made up. Right, yes. <laughs> if it was, like, a bad class, yeah. <laughs> if it was, like, and of course completely, we... like, taught by AI. <laughs> and the same AI that designed Matt Strom to look like Nicolas Cage, yeah. Yeah, we should be worried that technology exists <laughs> we? where we're changing people's faces and then other people are believing that's real and then the people who could correct them are just not correcting them and so everyone just believes a lie as if it's true. I don't think that anything bad could come from that. We're fine. Nah, I'm sure everything <laughs> is great. Oh, I was going to bring up, this is kind of a good point to bring this up. Quick sidebar, did you see at the NFL Combine that one prospect was like, I don't believe in space or yep. planets. Mm-hmm. I did in <laughs> fact see that. <laughs> That's a guy who this, watched I am the National Treasure who... movies instead of having history class. I'll tell you what. <laughs> I know. A few years ago, a few years ago, this was probably 2017, like my first Thanksgiving uh, covering all sports at Yahoo Sports. And I was, we were on our way to Indiana. We still lived in Ohio. And I was working and I had to write, uh, I think, an apology post. For, it was uh it was I think it was Kyrie Irving apologizing for some of his like saying like agreeing with flat earth stuff. I might be conflating a couple events, but I know I've I had to write an apology thing because Kyrie Irving was like I interesting points. <laughs> Maybe there are small people living inside the hollow earth. <laughs> I'm just saying, when uh, you hear a up-and-coming young athlete make a statement like that, you can only stop and think, what a fantastic job we're doing, stewarding the next generations into uh, adult human life. That's that's just, it makes me feel there, good every there time. There was another guy at the Combine who does not believe birds are real. Mm. Mm. Well? Have you ever seen a baby pigeon, he said. <laughs> This is a bit. Power this lines is a comedy could bit be their like charging stations. This is a bit. He's doing I'm, a bit. Like, A, I, it's a I, famous I Twitter account called Birds Aren't Real. And uh, that is a 30 Rock joke that Kenneth says about why aren't there any baby pigeons? Why do you never see them? That's, yeah. I'm, okay. As someone who did not watch that, I'm just like, who did not watch 30 Rock. I'm <laughs> like, I had other people sending me that. I'm just like, we're, we're not doing any posts on these loons, but my God. Are they just getting real. notes from their agents to like, hey, be be wacky, be quirky. That'll get you attention or something. That's like, what I like. Listen, the bird, the birds aren't real guy. At least that seems to be a bit. And he was being funny and like people that I, you know, people I know did not get it. But like space isn't real guy was being serious. And we were asking in Slack, like, why? Why are you saying this? This is not going to. You might be incredibly talented, but if you're weird, if you give off weird, I don't believe in space energy, like, like, locker rooms aren't that weird places. Like, there are some weirdo football players out there, but most of the guys believe in space. Well, fortunately, we can say for certain that the things the Phillies believe are all rock solid and steadfast in <laughs> I don't think we know that for sure modern, man. modern science on. and Stop it. 
Knowledge, definitely everybody's on the level. All good there. No reason do to check not, into that. <laughs> do not search anything that Whit Merrifield has said in the past. Just do not, don't do it. Do not look one level down into anything I've just said. Moving along, of nope. course, Aaron Nola got his first spring appearance as well. He allowed no funny business. He struck out three. He looked good. Everything was working. He looked at the right clock. So he's the opening day starter, right? Woo! Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's is, there'll probably be a couple of days where it's, like, debated, and then somebody at the Inquirer will, like, write the story about how he is the opening day starter again. But, you know, and, and it's, yeah, it's worth asking, like, well, Wheeler is the number one starter, but Aaron Nola is the opening day starter. And that feels like a... Kind of a niche dynamic, honestly, that like, yeah, it does. Wheeler's the ace. Nola's the, we'll say one B, um, but he's without question the opening day starter because I would say because, well, he's been doing it since 2018 yep. and he's homegrown. And, you know, I will say people have more intense feelings about him than they have about Wheeler, both because of his reputation as a pitcher, but also his, you know, <clears throat> familiarity with the franchise. So, but like, that's, I don't know, that struck me as, as I was thinking about that. I was like, he definitely is the opening day starter. He's definitely not the number one in, in the rotation. I wonder if there's any other team that like has that kind of dynamic where it's like, yeah, he's going to opening day starter is such a, you know, it, it's, how would you describe it as a title? Like, um, uh, an informal, like it doesn't really mean anything. Every somebody's going to be the opening day starter in every game, but it's it's some kind of honor, you know, yeah. for whoever it goes to. And I think the Phillies have gotten off kind of easy with that because they've been able to. Like I don't think they've started the season at home in a while. Yeah, that's true too. I, I can't remember the last time they started at home. So they've been able to get away with having Wheeler start on the road and setting it up so Nola can start at home. Oh, that's a good point. And so I think this year they've been they've been saved in at least in one way by having to delineate anything further, you know, and like actually be clear with people like is, you know, who cares? No one's going to accept who cares about the ace. This is stupid. No one's going <laughs> to no one's going to accept that as an answer. Yeah, I mean, we've but been watching think... people melt down about dollar dogs and the Jake Cave-Christian Pache debate yeah. the past week. People will debate, argue, and yell at each other about anything. <laughs> but I think the Phillies signing him to that big contract this year sort of gives them an excuse to have him start opening day, period. Oh, yeah. that's yeah. I think these are all good points, and I don't think it's yeah. really going to be up to, to No, question, but so. it just... It at least prevents a lot of the questions from being asked. And if they are asked, they have really easy pat answers that aren't going to cause drama, really. Right. Can you imagine if Zach Wheeler was like, that's it. Extensions off the table. If I'm not starting opening day, I, that that's it. That's my breaking point. Yeah. See, that's it's a signal that some of these things might mean something to them. But a lot of this is for us. Like <laughs> the guys don't may, may not actually care. They're just like. I'm going to start today. You're starting tomorrow. We all start. We're all getting paid. We're all special. We're all here. <laughs> like, there's no, you know, I don't think there, it's just such a drama-free, it's a such a drama-free clubhouse. Like, I, I, none of that is going to penetrate for them at all. This is something that only people on the outside discuss. Drama-free until Matt Strom has to, uh, steer a ship full of stolen zoo animals <laughs> to its destination and get paid. This is a lesser known Nicholas Cage I'm, movie. I'm citing. I was I actually, wondering where you were going with this. I can't even remember the name of it, but it's one of those terrible B movies he made in the past five years or so. Anyway, actually, I'm about i I'm a big Cage fan. His early, I'm a big early Cage fan. <laughs> well, Moonstruck is incredible, and I'm actually i I just dug up uh, Peggy Sue got married on. Uh, on DVD, and I'm going to watch that later. Just a movie that no one remembers, but is really funny. You should watch that, actually. You would dig it. It's Primal. Came out in 2019. That's the Primal. Movie he plays big I'm game this... hunter Frank Walsh, who books a freighter to transport his illegally acquired exotic animals, including a white jaguar. But his plans hit a snag, Liz, when some U.S. marshals piggyback on his ship to transport rogue black ops killer. A, a rogue black ops killer. <laughs> You know, I hate when that happens. It is true that his later <laughs> movies are more interesting, I would say. 
It's pretty close <laughs> to the story of how the fanatic got to Philadelphia, too, honestly. He That's jumped aboard ridiculous. a ship from the Galapagos and nested in the bowels of Veterans Stadium, if I remember correctly. Anyway, spring training. Uh, expectations and reactions <laughs> should be small at this point, given that it's only March today. But one guy I do want to say it was great to see throw some heat and not get into any trouble is Sir Anthony Dominguez. Oh, yes. I completely forgot about that. Watching him was great. Yeah. There's a guy whose success could really benefit this bullpen and help them regain some of that depth. That was such a strong point last year. His issue last year was that the strikeouts dropped because he was throwing more hittable pitches in the zone. He wasn't getting guys to chase. He wasn't painting corners as well. And even the contact, even though he was struggling, the contact he was inducing wasn't very strong. And you could make the argument that some of his struggles were due to poor luck. Not an entire argument, but part of one. And Mm -hmm. by the way, when they brought him along for the postseason, he paid them back with 16 outs, no runs, and seven of those 16 outs were strikeouts. So Yeah, he was he was on one. That was when we saw the Sir Anthony that we that we missed. Yeah, and I I need, think, I think like the the 2020 the 2020 season for him was really difficult because it was COVID, having trouble getting into the country. He needed I think he needed Tommy John, didn't he? Yeah. He did. And that was delayed by forever. His recovery was delayed. And so, like, he last season was, I think, sort of like the first long regular season he would have had since his surgery. And it just did not go the way he needed it to. So I'm I'm really encouraged by what I've seen, especially after remembering now how he was at the end of last season. Like, I'm I'm very looking forward to seeing him pitch more. He came up and the expectations were high. The velocity is a flamethrower. And yeah, he has just been through the ringer. So to, to see him, you know, kind of try to regain that form, I would settle for just like staying on the field, having a full season without a ton of major health stuff, avoiding the injured list. That would go a long way for him. I know nobody's mm-hmm. really in control of that. I'm just saying this is what I'm hoping because he could be a key figure. He's kind of drifted into the more of the background uh, as far as pictures people think of when they're like oh our bullpen death because you, you kind of you know things have been shaky you're never sure exactly what you're going to get from him but to see him come back to camp looking a little more stable looking looking as good as he did in the limited amount of time we've, we've seen from him you know hey any success is good success for him regardless of how much of it we're seeing and i don't want to get too analytical but i will say that dude can be a dude again and that's really going to help the phillies a lot uh as far as the bullpen goes so Good to see from uh, Sir Anthony Dominguez. We'll see what the rest of the spring has in store. Now, Liz, you mentioned uh, positional battles in camp, and I mentioned this one specifically seconds ago. Actually, I kind of mentioned it condescendingly that it's like it's something we were above discussing. We are, of course, not above discussing. Which person do you want on the roster, Jake Cave or Christian Pache? And we kind of discussed this on the last episode, last roundtable episode of Hidden Season where we more or less concluded, and correct me if I'm wrong, that while Pache puts up better numbers, Jake Cave is more likely to be the Phillies' choice to take that roster spot, given that they have an affinity for Johan Rojas, and I guess in this scenario we're assuming Johan Rojas has you know looks by the end of spring training like he is capable of being at least a nine-hole hitter on the Major League squad, that makes Pache redundant is the theory and the Phillies would be more likely to hold on to Jake Cave because he is left he's left-handed and is going to you know offer them a strategic option off the bench that Pache doesn't however the debate has kind of raged on that it might be worth hanging on to Pache regardless and part of the reason that debate has raged on is because as I mentioned Pache has looked good with the bat so far again in in a very brief amount of time Uh, but he has looked like a guy who can hit I have brought up recently a couple instances where Pache has looked really promising for the Phillies and then hit a wall because of uh, having to go on the injured list We'll see what happens, but I thought we could break this down a little more guy to guy. Now, I I have a general idea of where we both stand on this, but I wanted to just kind of throw a few more numbers into the mix just to provide some context. Uh, Jake Cave is 31. He's left-handed. This is the main thing about him, really, right now. Theoretically, he's going to be effective against righties. He gives you an option to throw at an opposing team late, and while Cave is not a strong hitter by any means... Perhaps his left-handedness is more about rattling the pitcher 
that he's facing than assuming he'll be successful most of the time, as in, oh, this guy hates pitching to lefties. It doesn't matter how good of a lefty is out there. He just needs to be left-handed. Is this something you think is a reason to keep Jake Cave? It's got it. You know, it starts with him being left-handed, but like we all see the numbers. He had a 138 batting average and 391 OPS against lefties last year. 226 batting average and 662 OPS against righties. That's where he's quote unquote strong. Not sure if you'd consider one of those a true strength. No, that's kind of my thing. Like it, it's not a true strength, and I'm just like his even his career splits are. Like it was, just, it's a two forty advantage, you know, two forty career over, what was it, two forty and two oh two. Like I, like that is definitely bad against lefties, but it's not. I mean, it's not amazing against righties either. I mean, and I'm looking at Pache's splits last year, he hit three fourteen against lefties. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't take a lot of examination of statistics to kind of see which one of these guys has a higher ceiling. And I know there's going to like, you, you want to have diversity and handedness on your bench. So like, again, the lefty thing comes into play, but at the same time, how crucial do we truly feel that is? And again, a lot of this is going to be determined by what happens for the rest of this month. You know, there's still lots of spring training to go. You never know, you know, what's a mirage and who's going to find their groove in a couple of weeks. It's kind of, it's the point of spring training for that to happen. But again, looking at the history before now, like things these guys have already done. Yeah. Like I get the idea that Pache becomes redundant if Rojas has a great spring, but that hasn't happened yet either. Again, I was trying to find, like, where are areas where Jake Cave is effective? I looked into this a, a little bit, the least amount. In August last year, he got in the most games of any single month in 2023, and he hit 275 with four home runs. There's a place to start. Fine. He's good in August. Do they want to bring him up in August? Uh, I don't know. Maybe. When Cave swings at the first pitch, this makes a little more sense. At least last year, he hit 320. He did that in 25 of his at-bats. It resulted in a hit eight times, three of them for extra bases. Now, we've also heard that the Phillies have been coaching guys, like Kyle Schwarber, that, hey, you can't strike out if you never have more, if you never even have a two-strike count. You're not going to have a two-strike count if you get more aggressive about hitting the ball earlier in the count. You know, assuming you're, you're successfully hitting the ball, not missing it. So being more aggressive at the plate a place where a cave has succeeded in the past is a philosophy that's floating around camp. Perhaps it's something that leads to him being more successful. Then again, at 31, he's a guy who's been in the big leagues a bunch. He's played for a couple of teams. This is also a guy that I think you just know what you got. And what you got is a quad a guy who has put up solid to great numbers at triple a. And that's probably where he belongs. If he was right-handed, I don't think he has, we're not, we're certainly not having this debate. Oh, completely. Yeah. If he was right-handed, there'd be, I don't know why Cave would still be around. There'd be no reason to keep him. Yeah. So, yeah, like it's, I'm, it's annoying. And I also think that, I also think that Thompson on his bench wants a veteran he can trust 100%. And I think Cave's that guy. I was trying to think, how does the And player... I, I think that's it. I mean, and I, I hate it, but. How does the player manager thing work here? Is it either that like, okay, I'm like, um, I want I want the left-handed guy on my bench. I want the veteran guy on my bench. Like, I want to go that way. Or is it like, I want the better player? Because, you know, obviously Pache is a defensive asset. Christian Pache is 25 years old. He was considered an elite defender when the Phillies acquired him. It's not even like he grew into that. That's who he was before. Couldn't hit for anything, but he was considered an elite outfield defender dave Dombrowski said quote even if he doesn't hit a lot we just think he's a help for us because of the defense that he plays right now the big key is that we know he's an outstanding defensive outfielder so for us he's a real good complement to what we have with our ball club i don't think since they signed him he's really done anything to harm that aspect of his reputation like it's not like no the, yeah but they haven't – I mean, he was injured, which sucks. Um, and they – when he wasn't injured, they didn't always give him a chance to show it off. 
Like, those words from Dave Dombrowski kind of feel a little tepid, honestly. Well, they didn't know what they had yet, but he was another guy that they said, we want to acquire this guy because it's not going to cost a lot. And we think we can help him with Mm -hmm. the the, the weaker part of his game, the offense. And the Kevin Long effect was visible in Pache last year as the Phillies were able to get him to cut down on his less accurate whiffs and improve the quality of his contact, if not the frequency of it. In 95 plate appearances for the Phillies last year, Pache's walk rate jumped to over 10% from the 5.8% it had been with Oakland over 260 plate appearances in 2022. He hit fewer ground balls with the Phillies than he had before, and he hit more line drives more frequently. He was hitting 360, Liz, when he tore his meniscus and missed a bunch of weeks. He came back, he started hitting again, and then a week later he had to miss a few more weeks so they could fish a screw out of his elbow. So when I'm talking about missed opportunities, that's what I'm referring to, that he looked good and then he disappeared. The issue isn't, I think, is he worth having around? Because if he wasn't on the Phillies, somebody would grab him right now. The issue is, is Pache redundant in a world where Johan Rojas is a big league center fielder? And do we live in that world? These are not answers we have yet because there's still all of spring training to go. But I've seen it guessed already that Pache will be on another team by opening day. I've seen it guessed that Brandon Marsh starts the season on the injured list and Christian Pache gets his job for a time. Both of these things seem... I mean, like, they trade him, okay, I guess I could see that if truly he is considered redundant and Rojas has an awesome spring. But the injury thing, I'm like, I get, I get if you're making just a general argument for depth, but at the same time, all we've heard is that Marsh is in no danger of missing opening day. Like, this is, we have mm-hmm. gotten the most positive reports I have ever seen on an injury following surgery about any player ever on Brandon Marsh. So I don't know if that's necessarily going to be a thing either. I don't think it is. There's obviously a side to this where cave is better to have, as I've said, just because he's a lefty, but that feels like it. I mean, this growing movement to keep Pache instead of cave simply because he's a good player. Who's better than cave at everything. Isn't that baseball? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's not anything. And like, it's, uh, and it, there, it's a reflection of the fact that a lot of us don't see why Cave is still around, why the Phillies intentionally wanted him to come back. Um, I am curious as to who the driving force is behind that, whether that is a Rob Thompson thing, whether he's encouraging Dombrowski to do that, or whether Dombrowski is pushing for Cave to be around. You know, I those are important questions to me. Because I, I no one understands why Cave is here. <laughs> and I mean, they they re-signed him. Like, they, yeah, they that's right. exactly they it. And him. so, like, they re-signed him. And I'm thinking, what are... I'm That's, I think, one of the reasons why a lot of people are assuming the Pache is going to be gone. They intentionally signed Cave. What are they going to do? Trade him? With, I mean, for what, why, and who? They're going to yeah. release him after signing him? He's there I to stay. Know. Like, I, I don't think the Phillies uh. are embarrassed to have lost money anywhere. But I, I'm going to be really curious to see what happens. Because if if spring training ends and Pache is just clearly better than Cave everywhere, how are they going to defend this? The only, yeah, the, the only mean, way to know, defend I, I, it is to trade him. Is to trade him and get something they need. And I, I sure. Let's hope it's worth it. Pache's out of options, right? Yep. And he is out of I options. I can't remember if Cave is or not. And like these, I believe will, he is as well. These things play a factor in these decisions as well. But if you're just looking at it, this from a baseball standpoint, I mean, it's really hard not to just be like, well, let's just keep Christian Pache. I mean, I don't know. Just in general, don't you want the better players on your team? Is that not what training camp is about? I don't know. I don't know. I, I end of the day, I, after all this, I still feel like they lean towards Cave, just because yeah. I don't think they're ready to move on from that fundamental baseball belief that they want that left-hander in there. So they want that left-hander, and he's a veteran. He's a go-along to get-along guy. He doesn't fuss. He doesn't want more playing time. I think that is a lot of it. 
Pache is young. He's trying to prove himself. And they have a team full of veterans right now. And no one's trying to prove themselves. Except for Johan Rojas, who doesn't already have a guaranteed job, but certainly feels like we're heading towards that. I feel good. I liked that they get, he got another at bat on that day. He went over three, yeah. he got a fourth at bat and, and knocked in three runs with a triple. So that was, that, that was, was cool. Great. That was what, how good about. must, how good, <laughs> how good must he have felt at the end of that day? I bet, oh, yeah, I bet sure a lot of, I, I bet he got a lot of back slaps and good jobs for that one yeah. because that's, you salvage a day that way. I bet he felt a foot taller. That was, I bet that was he awesome. did. Yeah. It's awesome to see this. It's been a long time since we've had like young guys around that have the, you know, have that big growth potential that like we're watching them grow. I say it's been a long time. It's been like two, three years since we've seen that happen with Alec Bohm and <laughs> Bryson Stott. But hey, you know what? If they do wind up trading Christian Pache, the better he looks, the better the return would be in a trade anyway. So, you know, you exactly. never know. Like that would be a. a in the end, a potential positive as well. But I don't know when it comes to the two of them, it just, boy, <laughs> it is funny to think man, Jeff C- Jake cave just batted on the other side of the plate. This whole conversation wouldn't exist, but speaking of conversations, you wouldn't think existed. <laughs> I don't know if you saw this, but uh, this past week, I just wanted to mention this before we finish up. Uh, so the Phillies brought back, Former pitcher David Buchanan on a minor league deal. Uh, He's in training camp with them. Um, He was, I think, familiar to some people who were following the Phillies in 2014 and 15. You know, the seven of us who all lived in the same campsite uh, in (laughs) FDR Park. And we're watching the 2014 and 15 Phillies play ball. Uh, And thinking we should podcast about this. We should podcast about this team. Let's do it. Why am I saying that? Like we just watched them. Oh no, we were creating media about that. Those teams. Yeah, that was, that was fantastic. (laughs) Golden years. You might call them. Uh, David Buchanan made 35 starts for the Phillies between 2014 and 15. He was down in AAA after that, and uh, he has spent seven years in Japan and Korea, according to Todd Zalecki. So he has been signed to a minor league deal, like I said, to the Phillies. The idea that he was a depth signing, uh, but he's back in camp, you know, back wearing a Phillies uniform. And the story goes that <laughs> while he was pitching for the Phillies, he ha- he faced Bryce Harper when he was still with the Washington Nationals. Uh I don't remember the context outside of this, but he threw behind Bryce Oops. Harper. <laughs> then threw him a curveball, and Bryce Harper crushed it oh. uh, for a home run. And Buchanan now says he has two regrets in his entire big league career, and that at bat is one of them, uh, and that he deserved that that curveball got absolutely smashed for a home run. Um, I love that. That's great. Buchanan <laughs> says that... Yeah, he doesn't want Zalecki writes that he does not want to get into details, but it's safe to say the first pitch, the one that he threw behind Harper, was not his idea, which I think is very funny. Yeah, uh, I didn't want to. They told me I had to. And this whole thing existed because Buchanan, uh, I think, took it upon himself to have a conversation with Bryce Harper about throwing at him <laughs> and wanted to clear the air. Oh. Which I wonder how clear the air had to be for for harper because he said harper did remember oh this but he was referring more to the um he said when i brought it up and i was talking about the at bat he was like yeah 2-0 curveball homer and (laughs) buchanan was like yeah we talked about it when the phillies called i was even more excited to talk to him i feel like this has been living in david buchanan's head for years and harper's more just like yeah no I, i crushed that ball it felt really good a lot of good solid contact yeah i remember um, yeah, I mean, what's your, what's your I, I wrote, this inspired me to write something for Baseball Prospectus, which was a form letter for pitchers who have thrown at a guy they are now playing on the same team as. Uh, you are and... very funny. You're a very funny, very smart guy. Who else would think of that? And uh, that's on that's on Baseball Prospectus right now if you want to read it. But in general, Liz, I mean, this is just, this struck me as an interesting dynamic. Do you think Harper thought about this even a fraction of the amount that Buchanan did in the years between the home run and meeting again at training camp this year? I'm going to say probably not, but I really do love that he remembers hitting that home run. Yeah. That, that is, that's something that he was able to recall it. I wonder how many... 
how many of his home runs he can remember. He can do that for. That was going to be my next question. Do you think Bryce Harper remembers every single home run he has ever hit? It's hard to imagine he remembers every single one because that's a lot of them. But I don't know. I what else be... is he thinking about? What I is know. He, what is that room being taken up with if not every home run he's ever hit? Think about it. I mean, it's that, that his, home his wife, his kids, Buchanan his family was uh, the 93rd of his career. So it, I was I was like, boy, I hope it was like the 100th home run or something. His 100th home run came off uh, Julio Teheran. Um, he had hit two two home runs in three days off him. And looking at it now, <laughs> this was during a series with Washington. Uh, the Phillies played. I think it was just three games. Yeah, it was three games. Bryce Harper homered four times. Yep. He homered off Aaron Nola in game one. He homered off David Buchanan and Adam Lowen in game two. <laughs> God, Adam 20, Lowen. 2015. Uh, this was September. <laughs> September 2015. Oh, so. my God. Uh, and then in the game uh, three, he homered off Justin DeFreitas. Uh, <laughs> so. Oh, this is the best of. Oh, boy. Yeah, that was he was having a fun little series there. Oh, boy. And who would have known? Because we just passed the uh, the anniversary of his uh, his signing or the That's big right. announcement. Bryce uh, right. breaking Bryce to the Phillies. Thank you, John Heyman. As I told my colleagues uh, uh, at Yahoo Sports, one of the only good tweets he's ever sent. Seven home runs later in Bryce Harper's career. He was back facing the Philly and Phillies, and just because we're talking about it, he then in that series homered off Brett Oberholzer, Aaron Nola again, and Jenmar Gomez. So <laughs> that Phillies pitching staff was really good. You know what? I can see why he remembers David Buchanan and that home run now because he's like, yeah, that was the golden era of Phillies pitching that I could just show up and accidentally hit a wiffle ball backyard home run off a professional baseball pitcher with my eyes closed. So, yeah. yes, I it do remember It didn't make that. me want to be on the Phillies right then, but I did enjoy the experience of playing them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I hope to one day remember every single one of Bryce Harper's home runs as well, um, in addition to the ones he hasn't hit yet, which he will do as he begins popping up in more and more spring training games as spring training goes on. And as that continues to happen, we hope you continue to listen to us here at Hidden Season. Uh, you'll find new episodes as we do three of them a week at billypen.com slash hidden season. And if that's not enough, you can head on over to the Patreon at patreon.com slash hidden season. For $5 a month, you get access to a Phillies happy hour uh, called Absolutely Hammered and a Phillies history podcast on which we talk about the dumbest, funniest, and most obscure innings in Philadelphia Phillies history called The Dirty Inning which was also, in addition to Hidden Season, a finalist for Best Baseball Podcast at the Sports Podcast Awards this past year. Uh, we have a new episode of The Dirty Inning Up right now, actually, for our patrons on a rain-soaked weekend the Phillies spent in Pittsburgh in 2002. Uh, it was a lot of fun to reminisce and talk about the names from that team. For WHYY and Billy Penn, I'm Justin Clue. I'm Liz Rocher. And this has been Hidden Season.